Nothing like a rainstorm at 10,000 feet. Dude, that one was close. You might be the only man to accidentally give a bird a golden shower. It was so close that when the bear swatted his paw, it, the dirt hit the tent. I will never not do this, dude, ever. All right, we're back. Hey, hey. <laughs> After a long hiatus. <laughs> but life's been a little crazy. Oh, boy, I'll say. I had a baby. Well, I didn't have a baby. My wife had a baby. <laughs> I was there. I watched it. You're in paramedic school. Yep. So anyway, we're back rock and rolling now. But uh, yeah, man, that was crazy. A ba the baby thing. Oh, I bet, it was wild. It was, yeah, it's way crazy. Did you ever deliver a baby? I delivered two in one night. Serious? Oh yeah, it was wild. It, I didn't I, know. Yeah, two in one night, like within two hours of each other. <laughs> my partner dropped a placenta on my foot <laughs> on the first one. Serious? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was so gross. We, the baby had just been delivered, and we keep the placenta and take it in because I don't know why. It's just what we do. Right. And he, there's a bag that it goes in from our kit. Well, the bag got wet with water so he had a towel and was wiping it off and it slipped out and just goes <laughs> right on my foot it's like no yep so i had a placenta dropped on me so two babies your career so far and they're both in the same night um so three babies so far two in one night wow yeah it was weird. Were they down on the river no they were oh, really? really nice do you remember oh i can't say her name one of them was a girl I knew that I had a huge crush on when I was younger. Are you serious? Uh-huh. <laughs> and you like, showed up? And I showed up and helped deliver her baby. Wow. <laughs> and transported ported her to the hospital. She's like, she knew me. So she's like, you're Colton, right? I'm like, yeah, you're so-and-so, right? She's like, yes, I had the biggest crush on you. It's like... <laughs> We're about to get to know each other really well. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've seen your hootie hoo now. Yeah. It was gross. Well, when we were when I was thinking about doing this today, and I, I wanted to talk about like having a baby, just where our lives are at, and why why we've been kind of absent. Yeah. And it reminded me when we went through the EMT academy, we went through the fire academy together, and then we got our EMT together. Yeah. And Mulder. Oh yeah. Was in who. Man, it's sad that he's gone, you know? It's weird. It's I was sad. thinking about it today. It was so weird. I was like, fuck. Yeah. I can't believe he, he died. But yeah, it was, it was a, this deal. is a funny story. It's a good story about Mulder. And when we were going through training, <laughs> learning how to deliver a baby. Oh. So where we, where we got our EMTs, the, our instructor, it was a husband and wife. Yep. And the wife was a smoke show. Yeah. She's hot. Yeah. And we were in the back room. This isn't the story I wanted to tell, but it's another one. <laughs> and she was down, like they had racks with all of the equipment that we needed. And yeah. she asked me and Mulder, was you, were, maybe it was just me and Mulder to go back and help her. Yeah, I, I don't remember. And we go back there and she bent down to get something. Her thong is just hanging out. <laughs> and he's like grabbing my shoulder, like, look, dude, look, look, look. <laughs> You know, and I'm looking, but trying to be kind of respectful, like, ugh. Yeah. And I turn around and her husband's standing there watching us. <laughs> and I look at him and he looks at me and he looks at Mulder and he just goes, oh, that's why I love her. And he, grabbed, <laughs> he grabbed us both by the shoulders and we both just looked and she looked back and kind of grinned. I was like, damn, I didn't know people were like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
but anyway, when they're when they're doing the training, we're sitting at a table that's like regular desk height, and then you yeah. have a torso, a female torso, very realistic. Yeah, realistic vagina, <laughs> everything. Well, and she's sitting in front of us, so her head. It looks like it's on her, on the body of this torso. Oh, I remember this. And Mulder's thinking he's sneaking. He starts fingering the torso. <laughs> and she caught him. She knew it. But she was. it was the perfect response. She goes, Tyler, don't ever stick your fingers in a girl that's about... I mean, it was something like that. Yeah. And he, But he still had his hand inside. Like, he was just petrified. So he just goes, okay, you can pull your fingers out. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, that Mulder. God, he was fun. Yeah, he was, man. First elk I ever shot was with Mulder. That's I remember because you called uh, Tommy and I said bull, I called bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, bow hunting. Where was I? Was I? I can't remember. Man, was I? I may have been St. George, but I remember you calling me, like, dude. I don't think you'd even got on her blood yet. I probably did like you call you right shot. after I shot her. You're like, I got an elk. Like, no, you didn't. Yeah, I did. <laughs> oh, that was a cool day. Mulder. It, we hunted for maybe 30 minutes. Really? Got out of the truck and elk were going crazy. And Mulder and his buddy are like, we're going to drop down into this. And if you've ever been to uh, Nebo, Mount Nebo, I mean, it's nasty. It's we're, big country. We were hunting a canyon that's called uh, Hell's Canyon. And it was the first time I'd been into it. And I get to the top and look down. And I'm like, I'm not going down there. <laughs> I don't want to shoot a cow down there. And I'm like, I'm just going to stick to the top. And they bail off. And I just start walking. And there's an elk. So I shot it. <laughs> it really? was like 30 minutes into the hunt. His buddy was so pissed. Because it's like he felt like he needed to stop and help, I guess. But Oh, like it ruined his day. Like kinda. it ruined his day. But, yeah, we got her out. That was, it was just wild to me. That was she cool. didn't go far. It was like perfect shot, everything. Yeah, it was, everything worked out perfect. It was weird. Well, I, I was just hiking the trail. There was a bull bugling. I'm like, I just want to see that bull. I don't care if I shoot anything. So I'm just walking down the main trail, chirping as I go, trying to get to this bull just so I could see him. And this elk is right there and she busts. So I take off running and I remember Darren talking about it. You bust the elk, you want to sound like an elk. So I start running, breaking branches and chirping, making a lot of noise like an elk does when it runs through the trees. And I get to the edge, and it was just off this little rise. And I'm standing there, and I'm thinking to myself, man, that was cool, you know? I, I was close. And I look down to my left, and there she is just standing there broadside. I drew back and guessed the yardage and shot, and she took off. And I'm like, I think I hit her. So I hiked down, no blood, go back up where I shot from, found my spot again, went back down, and there's blood everywhere. And then she only went 60 yards and tipped wow. over. It was awesome. It was perfect. That <laughs> yeah, was cool. <laughs> it's amazing how well that'll work, making noise sometimes. Oh, yeah. You yeah, elk aren't quiet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even when they come in quiet, you can still hear them coming. Yeah. Like, you'll catch a little, little sounds here and there, but... They're big. There's only a few times where I've got up to leave and an elk's been standing there. I didn't hear it coming in. That's happened a, a few times, but not not as many as I've heard them coming. Would you Would you say it was more in that Colorado desert country? Probably. Yeah. yeah. See, Sandy. That, that where we're hunting, 
it's that high, steep, thick oak brush, oak choke. brush, pine trees, quakies, uh, cedars, and there's a lot of deadfall. And the bulls that we've called in silent, you hear them, they're close when you first hear them, but you'll hear like a hoof. Right. Knock against something or a twig break, and it's like, okay. And then all of a sudden they're there. For how big they are, they're fairly quiet, but you'll hear them yeah. most of the time, I'd say. I'm still, I still can't believe how successful we've been up there. I know it took a long time. It did take a long time. To, and some other things changed, like the herds are doing good up there. The elk herd's better than it's ever been. Well, I was going to point that out, too, because when we first started, like if we cut elk tracks, it's like, holy crap, there's, there's an elk track. Yeah. Because we never saw elk, and we spent a lot of time up there. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, my gosh, there's a group. A little group of elk. You'd see one little herd, yep. maybe 12. And it was amazing. And now it's like <laughs> you go up there and you see a lot more. But the deer are not as good. There's definitely a change in the deer quality. Yeah. The deer's gone sure. down, the elk's gone up. And I don't know if that goes hand in hand. It seems like it is. Like, has to. Has to. I'd say it have, It would have to. And the DWR's trying to thin them out by... All these special liberal tags, liberal man. tags. So, you get a deer tag, you can attach an elk tag to it for cheap. Plus, there's a archery muzzleloader rifle hunt and a late season cow hunt. So they're doing their best to try to thin them out, but they're pretty thick now. It's hard country to hunt. It is, and it's you have not to be easy. patient. Like it's not like uh, it's just not typical country. No, but like you were saying, the bonus tags. So Tara likes elk. She's not really into deer hunting. She just wants yeah. to hunt elk. Yeah. And wants to rifle hunt elk. Well, that's when I'm the busiest. So this year we put in for black powder for mule deer just so we can buy that cow tag. Oh, yeah. So we're going to hunt elk. And if we see a deer, it's a bonus. But that's our <laughs> chance to hunt elk. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people are starting to do that now. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. The, the only problem is they're guessing. Like, we, we project we want this amount of elk but we're going to give this many tags in hopes that only this many get killed. Well, and I'm glad you brought that up because I've been thinking about this a lot lately. It makes me nervous. Oh, super nervous. Because with the advancement of technology, like it's not hard to get a rifle to shoot 700 yards. Oh, no. It's really not. It, it takes practice to be good at that. Yeah. But it's really not that hard. And now that they've got, you can put high-powered scope on a muzzleloader, shooting 60, 70 yards with a, with a bow. It's not really... Like it, it, we're making average. it, yeah, we're making it easier and easier to be successful. So they allocate those tags, banking on only ten percent being successful. Yeah. Well, now that creeps up to twenty or thirty percent. The only thing they can do is cut back those tag numbers. Yeah. So in those the tag, next year, the next year. So when they cut those tag numbers and less people get to go hunting, because more people are successful, more people lose interest in hunting, and then we have less hunters, and then we have less like political strength. Yeah. To ensure that it sticks around. Yeah. It makes me a little nervous. Definitely. I, I don't know what the solution would be, though. Because something needs to be done. I think, But it seems like we have one extreme or the other. Like, they can't really find a good, happy median. They're trying, but... It almost seems to me like you need more... Like, you're going to have to spread out more seasons. Either season dates are going to have to be shorter. Like, rifle season's... Can have to, if, if more people are successful in two weeks, it's only going to have to be a six-day hunt or five-day hunt. Yeah. And maybe you do the first two weeks of archery is traditional or, or something there. Yeah. Or 
and then muzzleloader season split and the first week is traditional and then go scoped so you can split those people up so everyone can still go hunting yeah but you're not and i don't know if that would even work i don't you know? know man but it's gonna get know. weird i think it's gonna get weird because we keep it's just getting i want to say easier to be sexual but our equipment our equipment definitely helps helps big time you look at what your grandpa was shooting at animals with yeah. Versus, and that was new technology compared to like what Indians were, right. were shooting them with. They're using 30 pound bows they made with their hands and successfully killing buffalo, you know what I mean? Right. Like, and spears. And, and it's like technology just keeps getting more advanced and more advanced. And I don't know, man. Which the counterpart would be maybe you have less, uh, less wounded animal, which is good. Yeah. You know, definitely good. But I just worry about it. A little you, bit. You talk, so I have a lot of friends that like to hunt the strawberry area, and they, they're they doing the same thing, trying to thin down the elk herd, so everybody with a rifle deer tag was buying a rifle cow tag for the same time. And in two years, it's been a huge difference in the amount of elk that you see. Oh, really? Like, people are, are nervous about it because they're just not seeing the amount of animals they're used to seeing and I don't know, but you think about it and like all of our units, it rotates like where they're killing the most big bulls. So like it used to be that, what was one unit that was like the primo unit for elk? Like Manti. Uh, there was a time like where Manti. Manti. Manti was the most sought after elk tag because there were so many big bulls. All of a sudden it's not anymore. Then they moved to another unit that they hit. So it's like, Let's manage this unit to get big bulls. Then we'll up the tags, up the tags, and then we'll move it to another. And then so we'll you up think the tags, up the tags. I think it's rotate. It rotates. For it sure. rotates by tag allocation. You think? Oh, definitely. Huh? I think so. Because it, it, you look at it, and that's how it seems like it is. It's not the set, one unit is producing the best bulls every year. It's this unit for X amount of years, and then all of a sudden this unit over here's got hmm. everybody starts killing these big old bulls, so they up the tags and the DWR gets in there and makes their adjustments to what they see as fit. And I get that we need to do a proper game management. You have to in every unit. If you didn't, you'd have a big big problem. But it's just it's it seems like it's got to be a real thin finicky line that you're you're crossing yeah. back and forth on but ultimately i think i think they're doing a good job i was not too keen on how they broke up the deer units in utah so we went, first let's explain that a little bit because there were five units it was broken into five different units throughout the whole time state for a long long time so you had these big geographic areas that your tag was good for but people went to like a couple spots yeah. in those you're only hunting a couple square miles with a thousand other people so they've made it into i don't even know how many units are in the state now close to 30 it's got to be close but everyone i talked oh go ahead no you're gonna it. get there uh, most people i think are liking it now i love it now yeah because the places we used to hunt that got hunted out are coming back and they're getting to where they used to be and it's the way to go yeah. instead of managing geographical areas they're using colorado's model and managing specific herds yeah and you look at Southern Utah, what, if, if any of you guys are on YouTube, look for Hidden Instinct. Those are two good friends of ours that we've had known forever. And 
they and they spend tons of time out there. Lots probably of time. more time than there's probably only a handful of people that spend as much time out as those guys do in that area. Oh yeah. And they're all, I mean, it's changed it big time. Oh, for sure. For sure. And the only thing I don't like is having to have multiple points to draw a general tag. Like that sucks for some people, just like with our uncle. He didn't draw a deer tag yes last year. Yeah. And his wife didn't draw one the year before that. Yeah. But, so, but there's a catch to it. Yeah. Would you rather go kill a buck every year or kill a really nice buck every other year? Yeah. Like that's that's the change up. So I, I mean it's a catch twenty two. It's all how you want to do it. Yeah, and I think I would take it every like I used to, even earlier this year I was like, I don't care about a big deer and I think it's weird to care about a big deer and all that. But I do now. Yeah. Like there it's important. Yeah. Like if you can go into an area and you're seeing a handful of good bucks then that means that they're doing good. Yeah. You know, and it's neat to see. You yeah. Know? It's neat to see. Like this year on your rifle deer hunt, which I can't find the footage. Oh, really? I don't know. I, I don't know. It, either it's saved on this external hard drive or it's somewhere, but I filmed hmm. your hunt. Yeah. And it was pretty cool. And I so thought I'm it was cool. Trying to, I was going to edit it and get it put on because we've got a YouTube channel that we're starting with this. And uh, I can't find the damn thing. But that day was a good day. I'll say it was a good day. <laughs> I mean, I only had two days to, to rifle hunt. And those two days were pretty much winding down my opportunities to hunt for the rest of the year. So I needed to get a deer. I needed some meat in the in the freezer. That's all I cared about was getting the meat. Now, and you're on the Dedicated Hunter program. Yeah, that, that was my third year. So this was, so explain Dedicated Hunter. So Dedicated Hunter is a program that you sign up for um, it costs a little bit extra and you have to, to dedicate some time. You have to donate X amount of hours of time towards the development of mule deer in the state of Utah. And the DWR sets up different programs that you can, uh, dedicate yourself to and give your time to help better the deer herd in Utah. Like taking, they take down barbed wire fences, barbed wire fences, they put in take water. out, yeah, guzzlers. They're replanting certain types of vegetation in areas that it's struggling and taking out noxious weeds. I mean, all that stuff helps. Yeah, and if you want to be part of this dedicated hunter program, you're required to donate. Is it, How many hours is it? So they've changed it a couple times. I want to say it's 32 hours. That's quite a bit. Which, yeah, it is. I and mean, you figure how many people do it. And that's all donated time, and all that goes to habitat improvement. Habitat so I'm a fan of it. Oh, totally. Uh, the program runs if you draw out. So you have to put in, get your name drawn. And if you draw out for it, you get a guaranteed three, three years of hunting where you can do all three hunts. In those three years, you can only harvest two deer, though, which is good. A lot of guys hold out the first year for the buck of a lifetime, their dream buck, and then kind of maybe drop their standards a little bit for the next two years if they don't fill that tag the first year. But you have so much opportunity and so much time to get out and hunt that it's great. Yeah. Especially if you're a guy that's strapped for time. So you can definitely find time to sneak away and do not just a week-long rifle hunt, but an archery hunt, a muzzleloader hunt, rifle hunt, it's really good. 
And we went up that day with just expectations of filling two tags because your buddy yeah. had never, had he never hunted before? He had never pulled the trigger on a deer. He hunted last year, never got the opportunity to, to pull the trigger on a buck. And he, he, I talked him into, I said, just come with me in this unit. We'll have an opportunity. I knew we were going to have at least an opportunity. Because we got a sweet spot. We got a pretty good spot. It's hard earned. It's yeah. not easy. No. But you're going to see deer. Chances are you're going to get an opportunity. Sure enough, it happened. And he got, he got some shooting in. <laughs> yeah, well, we pulled up. There's like, I call it the swell. I don't know what you call it. Yeah, I call it, it the swell. It's like this little pocket. And I've never been there and not seen a buck standing in that clearing. Yeah. Except for that day. There Except was not a deer day. standing. There was a moose. Was there a moose that time? Yeah. There was a moose, but no deer. And then you spotted a group of bucks way about as far as you could go. It is the farthest (laughs) you can go. And we, we put up the spot and scope, I think. Yeah. And I'm like, there's deer. I need the scope to see if they're bucks. So we set it up and it's like, as soon as we set it up and I found them, it's like, okay, I know there's at least two bucks in there. But we're talking a long ways. Yeah, like it's, they it's were miles, far, probably two miles at least of mountain, and it's all uphill. Like yep. you start at the bottom, and it's it's a constant climb all day. Yeah, and we looked at each other, and it's like, okay, they're gonna be bedding soon. Like we we've got to hoof it, yeah. hoof it, and we, <laughs> and did. we did, and we get. It's just, it's hard to get a shot in that country. And it's hard to anticipate where you can be and still yeah. see because of the oat brush. Yeah. So I think we had tried a couple different. So the first time we set up, we ranged it and it was within our range, but it was far. It was like 500? It was just over 500. And Dallas, kudos to him. He's like, I want to get closer. Because yeah. me and him spent a lot of time shooting. Felt pretty comfortable shooting at those distances. He says, I want to get closer. So we got as close as we could. And it was like 420 was the closest we were able to get. And then we lit up the world. <laughs> well, and then something happened that I've seen happen to so many new hunters. And my big thing, like I got a little list here I want to go over because it was at the end of the season, like our gear yeah. winners, like stuff that I will definitely take out or leave in. Yeah. And one thing that I'm... A proponent of and i will my 300 win that needs a scope i'm yeah. gonna put i'm gonna put a fixed six power scope on that rifle yeah because that at that that covers every distance that i usually shoot yeah comfortably and i don't have to mess with nothing yeah so you see and if you're a new hunter i would recommend trying that method too whether it's a four or six power because it limits you're not gonna you're not gonna be as tempted to take a 600 yard shot because you can't really see them. Yeah. And when you are within that effective range, it's just there. You're on them and you got them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Definitely. But if you walk up and you throw that thing on 18 power and you can't find them in a scope, if if you're not if I'm not paying attention or you don't know what's going on, it takes a minute to click it. It sounds so simple. Yeah. But when you're like getting ready and it's your first time, I've seen I don't know how many guys in Colorado that I've been guiding. Yeah. And it's like okay, reach over and turn it down. You know. <laughs> And when you've got those scopes, say it's a four and a half to 14, if it's not a front focal plane, which most of them are not front focal plane scopes, it's only good on the lowest power and the highest power, right? Yeah. So when you're in between, say you're like, okay, I can see the deer really good on 12 power. Well, your gun is, it's not going to work that way with your hash marks that are in that scope. Yeah. So anyway. So yeah, that a good point you bring up with my scope, with my 300 ultra, 
when I'm shooting it, I have to be on a single power. Like I've sighted my gun in at the highest power. <clears throat> and that means if I'm shooting at something, I need to be on that power unless I'm really close. Mm-hmm. If you're really close, you have a little bit of wiggle room to, as far as where your bullet's going to hit. It's not going to make a huge difference. And right. by close, I mean within 100 yards. But once you get past that, man, with that scope, it's got to be dialed all the way up. And it's difficult. It's difficult when you're trying to find them. Well, and then what we ran into, there were, were there six bucks? There were six bucks together. Six bucks. And they were all nice. Yeah. But one was like 26 inch four point. Like he was a really nice buck. buck. And we were both like, <laughs> oh man, Dallas, his first deer is going to be a stud. I know. I was stoked. And me and you, it's like, okay, there he is. <laughs> and I'm on him and I have the crosshairs right where broadside broadside. And he's just standing there and I'm thinking, I wonder why he can't find this. Is he just so excited? But he had his scope cranked all the way up. And one thing with his gun too, is he's not just using it to hunt deer with. He goes out and recreationally shoots long yeah. distance with it. If you're going to be doing that six power, you can do it with six power, but it's easier with a higher power and funner and funner. You know, I, <laughs> ultimately, but yeah, he had that scope dialed all the way in, and he could not find that deer. But we've, but I've done that too. I think oh, we've so all done I. it. Oh, for sure. Especially when you're trying to pick one out. You oh know? yeah. And I, it probably didn't help that we, me and you were both trying to coach him in. I, I probably should have just shut up and no, he, he would have figured it out. No, it's it's a good thing that you pointed that out because I was on the gun trying to watch the deer, make sure. And I was telling you to shoot, and I was not going to shoot. Like, <laughs> and I'm leaning over like you shoot. You shoot. Because <laughs> he was a good buck. So anyway, a couple missed shots. A couple missed shots. And I missed too. Because mm-hmm. after Dallas shot, I think three times, I thought that he had hit that buck. And the other bucks were still standing there. I'm like, I need a deer. Yeah. So I was going to just shoot any of them. I didn't even care. Right. I just knew they were all bucks. The first one that was standing broadside, I boom. And I missed. I don't know where I hit, what happened, but it was a miss. Yeah. And sure enough, he had missed that buck and it turned around, came back and stood, but he wasn't going to stand for very long. And I, I took that last shot and I thought I plugged him. Yeah. It sure sounded like it. And he took off through the trees. Lo and behold, <laughs> go ahead. Well, I was just going to start where we left. You went to hike around. Yeah. Is that where you're going to go? Yeah. So me and uh, Dallas stayed because we're like, okay, if the bucks hit, you know, we can see the whole pocket where these deer are. And he, if he pushes them out, if we all go, it might be game over. Yeah. So we stayed where we were at and you hiked up and around and there was a, a mature buck that you ended up taking. I ended up, yeah. For whatever reason, fed away. Yeah. He, went, he was not with the original group. No, he just showed up. And those, so if your picture from our spot, the deer that we were just shooting at ran left soon as all those bucks ran left, this buck fed out from the right and just kept heading right and just kept feeding. On a big, big open face. face. Yeah. And uh, we had the discussion before you left. It's like, that buck might still be there when you get there. Yeah. If it is, are you going to take it or are you going to pass? Because we, there's a chance that either you hit that buck or Dallas hit that buck. We didn't know who, but we had, yeah. to, but it would, I mean, we're cool. If everyone's on the same page. 
And yeah. we decided, yeah, take him, of course, you're deer hunting. And, but you felt kind of weird about it. You didn't I wanna... felt way weird about it. I didn't want to do it because I wanted Dallas to get a deer so bad. And I thought, there's no way this buck's going to stand there and let me walk all the way up or around here. And it's a long, like I've a got long my, my EL ranges that range to, I don't know, 1,800 yards, something like that. And he was 1,600, 1,700, yeah. 1,800. And then I couldn't <laughs> range him anymore. So that's how far you had to yeah. go. And I think I called you on the phone. I'm like, dude. He's still there, yeah. but you got to book it. And you freaking snuck, you, what, you, 100 yards maybe? You slipped maybe up on 100 him. yards. And he's just standing there broadside looking at me. Well, I thought he was broadside. He was more quartered away. And I boom whop. And it's like, gosh dang it. And I felt bad. I shouldn't have felt bad. I just wanted Dallas to get a deer so bad. Yeah. And it's like, gosh dang it. We come up here for him, and I'm leaving with a deer. <laughs> That's just your personality, but though. He was excited that we got a deer. Oh, yeah. He thought it was cool. It was a nice buck. Two points with a nice drop buck. Time. Yeah. It's, I mean, borderline mount. I was really thinking hard about mounting that deer. Yeah, he was cool. But yeah, it all worked out and got over to where that deer was. We cut his track for sure. Not a speck of blood. Up and down and Up back and down, and back and, and forth. And cut his track, and I followed it as far as I could until it hit private. And it's like, uh, there's, we would see something if we'd have hit this deer. Oh, yeah. You were shooting a 300 Ultra. 300 Ultra mag with 180 grain ballistic tip. He was shooting a 7 mag? 7 mm, yeah. yeah. I mean, we, there would have been evidence of a hit. Oh, yeah. If For as hit, much time we spent. If you'd have hit him low in the leg, there would have been something. But that spot... It's like, it's what you want to look for. It's just past the point where people give up yep. from both sides. Cause there's where we hunt, there's a quite a bit of public land, but there's only a handful of places you can access it. Yeah. And people ask it, access it from the top cause it's easier. They can kind of walk the ridge line, but there's one big valley and that valley is enough. People like, yeah, I don't want to walk over there. Well, and it's, and like you say, it's just far enough. To where yep. people get to a certain point and they've gone pretty far and but we're still past that point so it's all about pushing past that one little point where people just don't have the gumption to keep going and that spot is a after four days of rifle hunting that's when you go yeah. in there because the deer push into those thick nasty and breaks. it's and it's just it's just this it's just one pocket yep. in the middle of everything that people just aren't getting to. Yep. And it, it definitely makes a difference. So we got to him, bone him out. And I, I'm bummed that I can't, uh, that footage is somewhere because you can see you and the deer in the frame. Oh, really? Yeah, you can see the deer pick his head up and look at you. And I think you, did you kind of run a few steps because he saw you and you couldn't quite get a shot or something? So no, after I shot, I started running down to try to get another shot because I thought he was just going to dump. But I knew I had hit him, but he was go he turned and started cutting back, but all I could see was his head bouncing oh, that's because what, of the Then what I saw was the delay. Because he started running and then you hear yeah, the report see, I, of the rifle. He was standing still when I shot him. Okay. When he turned and ran, that was after the shot. Okay. And I took off down the hill, tried to get another shot, and just couldn't couldn't get a shot. And then I think I called you again because I had the spines come up. I'm like, dude, I can see brush shaking. Well, I could too. Oh, you could too. And like there's one right on the edge of the oak. That tree was just shaking like crazy. And I thought, okay, that's probably him because you guys couldn't see him. If he'd have kept going, you'd have been able to see a flash right. at the very least. 
and it just kept shaking. I'm thinking, okay, he's that's just him dying. I'll give it a minute. Sitting there, and it would start shaking again. And I'm like, gosh dang it. And you finally made the call. Like, dude, you should get down there. If it's there's something not right, he's still he's still kicking. They well, shouldn't be thrashing for that long. In different country, it wouldn't be as um important. Oh, we would have been usually in a world of hurt if yeah. he kept going. Well, I've lost a deer because of that. Yeah. On with a bow, a nice buck that I shot. And oh my gosh, that's heartbreak. I don't yeah. want to talk about that. And it uh it's like, well, let's just back out. Well, all they got to do is a hundred yards in there and cliff and you, who knows? And that's yeah. anyway. So I bust down to this tree and it was easy to walk to it cause it's shaking. I didn't have to follow the blood trail. I got onto the blood trail and thought, Oh yeah, he's dead. Well, I get down to him and he's not dead hmm. and he picks his head up and I'm like, okay, I'm going to shoot him in the head. And right as I shoot, he puts his head down. And I missed my like, gosh, dang it. So I get closer and I, Boom, shoot him behind the shoulder. I got a little pocket I can shoot through. Or I shot him high in the shoulder. And I thought, okay, finally he's done. And I wait there a minute, walk up to him, and I'm going to pull his head out and look at him. He starts thrashing again. Really? Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like I learned a lot on that trip. <laughs> so I had I ended up shooting the deer again. He he was... He wasn't going he anywhere. Was, he was not going anywhere he probably didn't have enough left in him to really hurt me, but I do not like, I want to, I want to shoot him and I want him dead right, right now. I don't want him to sit there and suffer. And it's like, oh my gosh. And that just added to everything. I just shot this deer on Dallas's day. <laughs> I had to shoot him three times with an ultra mag. So that first shot, I don't know what happened, but I ended up hitting him back because of the angle he was quartered at. And it just, it did some damage, but not enough to kill him as fast as I would have liked. Yeah. But it ended up being okay, and oh, yeah. I ended up being happy after so sulking for a minute. <laughs> it was such a... It was a good day, man. That was an awesome day. Well, me and Dallas went up the next day, because we each had two days to hunt. And How was that hiking in? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Dallas was hating life, but I'm like, dude, we don't have to do it, but if you want a deer, we need to go here. Yeah. Like, if you want a deer, we hike here. You're going to get a shot. Sure enough. here, Here's this buck. Oh, really? In the swell. I never heard this story. Yeah, so we got back up there the next day, and just to get to the swell is a hike. It's the worst part of it. It's I the worst think. part of it, but then to get to where I shot my deer, it's a whole nother hike. Yeah. But we get to the swell, we sit down, and there's a deer below us. I can see his face, that real nice white face, and he's like 180 yards, but it's too dark. And I'm telling Dallas, I know it's a buck. I just can't tell yet. Mm-hmm. Well, the deer feeds up and goes over the ridgeline off to the, the other east? side. Yeah, to the east. And it's as soon as he crests over, I can see Rack. And it's like, well, he was a buck, but... I say we stay here and just wait. We still have a lot of morning time to get something coming through. Well, that buck fed back over the ridgeline and started cutting up the ridgeline. Going back to the north? Going back to the north. And I'm like, Dallas, that's a buck. That's the buck. Shoot him. And he's like, I don't know if that's a buck. (laughs) I have the spotting scope out. And I said, Dallas, it's 100% a buck. Just shoot him. Because he just wanted to get a deer, Mm -hmm. get one under his belt. And he's like, all right. 
pulls up, boom, here's a whop. The deer jumps and takes off running. I'm like, okay, you. I'm pretty sure you thumped him, dude. So we'll just wait here for a minute. Right after he shoots, I look down to the right, and there's three bucks. Really nice bucks. The buck he had just shot at was a two-point. And then these other three bucks feed up and around. And one of them's a 24-inch four-point. Nice buck. Nice buck, and like a 24-inch three-point. <laughs> and then another smaller three point, but all three of them were great bucks. And it's like, ah, oh, sorry, buddy. You know? And he's like, I don't care. He was just happy <laughs> to get some shooting in. So we hike over to where he had shot at that deer after we gave it probably 45 minutes an hour. We get to where the deer was. There's no blood. And I'm like, gosh, dang it. So I start cutting and he was, it was the only tracks on this face. You could tell follow his tracks for probably about 200 yards until I just couldn't follow him anymore in that thick oak. I backed out, went back to where he shot from, followed the deer's tracks all the way back to where I thought he was standing when he shot, and there's a bolt hole in the in the dirt. Boom, you could see right where the bullet had hit. And it's like, I don't know, dude. I, I think he shot low. I think you shot low, hit a rock. That's the whop that we heard because there's nothing. And probably... I don't know, 30 minutes after he was shooting off the other side, you hear shooting. Mm. Boom, 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 boom. So I think that deer, the, deer over. the deer had kept going. There happened to be somebody down on that lower side where it's a lot easier to get in mm-hmm. and had to have thumped him. But as we're sitting there looking for the deer, I look up where I had shot my deer, and there's a group of deer. <laughs> and I throw the spotting scope up, and there's a buck. And it's like... That's your call, Dal. We're, <laughs> we are halfway there. If you want to do it, let's do it. And he's like, all right, let's do it. So we beat feet, and we get up there, we get set up, and there was a buck and two does. And we got set up close this time. These deer were a little bit lower, and we cut down the ridge line through that thick oak. And I said, that's going to be our best shot. Maybe we'll find an opening big enough that we can sit in and shoot. And we found a really good opening. We were within 250 yards. He set up. There's the doe and the fawn. No buck. We sat there for probably an hour. And that doe and that fawn were bedding down, standing up, Mm. walking around. I'm like, that buck's got to be here somewhere. And I said, you stay here. I'm going to hike up, around, come down, and push out across that and see if we can get him out. Went up around, pushed across it. Dylan Fawn came out. No buck. No buck. Never saw him again. Hmm. It's like, damn it, I've just made this trip twice in two days. <laughs> it's a butt kicker, man. It is a butt kicker. But that was that was the end of our hunt there. Feel bad he didn't get a deer, but at least he got some shooting in. Yeah. Which was fun. I think he had a good time. I hope he did. I'll bet he does it this year. Oh, he is. He's not hunting up there, though. Oh, really? No, he put him for Schofield. Good area. Good area. Ho- good area. Hopefully he draws it. I don't know if he will because yeah. that one takes like three three or four points now to get. Wow. It's a tough one because deer herd's doing really good down there. Yeah. So well, this Talking about this makes me wish I would have put in up there and gone with you and packed in. For, for deer. For the rifle? Yeah. It would be fun. Yeah. I seriously thought about loading up a backpack, setting up a camp. I know exactly where I'd set it to. Past the swell. Well, there, it's it's perfect because you're not far from water, which is so rare up there. Oh, yeah. And unless you're in the bottom. Unless you're in the bottom. I thought real long and hard about it. 
but I've decided I'm doing archery, straight oh, archery yeah. this year. Yep. Give me the most time to hunt. I did, uh, I had an archery tag. I think I went out two days or something like that. And I took Brooke up to a spot that we hunted when we were kids. Well, where we camped and the lightning struck the tree right by us. Oh, yeah. And I've been in there. I can't tell you how many times I've been to that little spot to glass. And every time I go there, I think there's going to be a buck or something standing right here where we glass from because it's perfect. <laughs> and I've never yeah. seen a deer there. So I, we finally make it there. And we went the long way down that goat freaking trail. That's, That's not even a trail. It is sketchy. Like a few places, it's, it's sketchy. Yeah. Where you think if you lose your footing, you're going for a freaking ride and all your gear is getting trashed. It's a bad spot, yeah. but it can cut like an hour off of your hike. Yep. So we get in there with, with Brooke, our sister, and I got my backpack already on one shoulder. Like I'm already taking my stuff off. I'm looking for a place to sit because I know where, you know I'm right yeah. there. And I go to pitch my backpack off and I look and 30 yards, I see that old white face just staring at me. I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and I just freeze and... Brooke's hunted enough. She knows if somebody freezes, you freeze. Yeah. And I go, right there, Brooke, right there. She's like, where? I said, right in front of us. And I get my backpack down. I get an arrow out of the quiver. You know how it goes. Uh Get it knocked. And as soon as I start to draw, he turns and wheels and and jets. And he was a solid 32 to 33 inch wide, big old freaking neck swolled up November buck. And he busts and I take off hauling ass thinking i'll catch him i never did see him again but oh man he was a stud and i never made it back up to hunt again before because i had i was guiding still yeah but i think if a Mm. guy would have you maybe would have had a chance at him there i don't i mean it's hard to say but yeah he uh there was lots of does in there and yeah that's kind of what i'm banking on this year is that late season yeah it's fun man it's hard to get Uh, away from can't get it out of my head it's, it's all tough. I want to do. It's hard hunt. Yeah. It's a really hard hunt. It is, but you're, the chances of you seeing good deer are, you're going to. Yeah. Like you put enough time in, you're going to find a good buck. Yep. Not doesn't mean you're going to get any shooting in, but <laughs> still fun to get <laughs> up there. And you get so much time. Yeah. You know, you can kind of pick your time. Yeah, I actually took vacation in November just to be able to go do it. Really? Mm-hmm. Man, we were spoiled when we were kids. Oh, I have no idea how spoiled yeah sometimes you wish you could go back i remember the first time i ran into somebody from out of state hunting there i was was from idaho and he shot a heck of a buck yeah (laughs) really nice buck (laughs) well because we were standing there what happened because all of a sudden he walked up he's like did that deer come by you and we're like what deer i see a deer and it was laying like 20 yards from his dead yeah i couldn't believe that we were just on the plateau we were at the first little plateau we're not even close to where we were going. No. Mm. Lucky guy. But we, the buck he killed, it was a nice buck, but we weren't even interested in bucks like that Yeah. back then. No. Like, if that buck would have walked out in front of me back then, I wouldn't even have pulled my bow back. Yeah. Because of the deer we were seeing. Regularly. Regularly. Yeah. Oh, man. It's not the same anymore. It's not quite like that, but... There's not enough... There's not enough ground for them anymore. Yeah. I think the numbers are down. The hunters are up. Yep. And where they've been wintering on the other side, that's all getting, that's all homes now too. Yeah. So it makes it tough for them. It's going away. Eventually it will be no more, which sucks because it's so much damn fun. But 
Might as well live it up while you got it. I guess so. Oh, shit. Oh. All right, well, let's wrap it up there. But um, we're back in the swing of things. These are going to be coming out once a week again. We're going to stick to it. Uh, let's just do our gear. Should we do our gear yeah, winners and losers? Yeah, let's go over it real I want to do that real quick. Just stuff that after this year, um, I can't get away from, and I always have it. Yeah. Boots. I finally got a good pair of boots. Solomon's. Worth the money. Way worth the money. You're a Danner guy. Danners all the way. Pronghorn? Pronghorn. Yeah, you've had a bunch of those. Yeah. I've actually only owned two different pair because they've lasted so long. Wow. The first pair I walked right out of, they blew apart, but you're talking about hundreds of miles right. underneath them, but they lasted me three years, but I took care of them. Yeah. Oil them so and... comfy. They're just warm enough if it gets cold. Danner pronghorns all the way. I agree. They're good boot. My Solomons were good. Packs. I use my Idaho bull pack a ton again. Yeah. Can't, I try and get away from it, but it's just so utilitarian. That... Definitely. Um, I don't know about my pack. I'm, it's still a work in progress for me. Yeah. It, I have three different packs that I primarily use depending on my situation. The bull pack for packing meat when we're guiding, you can't go wrong. It is yeah. the best pack you can have for what we're doing there. For my backpack and stuff, that's still a work in progress. I don't think I've figured it out yet. I haven't found an answer for just one. You yeah. almost need through like three. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I'm constantly shuffling gear between the three. Yep. But and eventually I'll figure it out. Knives. I was kind of down on a Havilon. I can't go without it now. Mm-mm. And my Benchmade. I use that Benchmade this year. It's yep. the shit. That's the exact same two knives I'm always packing. Yep. One Benchmade and my Havilon. Yep. You can Nothing you can run into that you wouldn't nope. need those. Um, I don't know what I'd add for next year. I got a GPS I've been playing with, a Garmin. I don't know where it is. It's here somewhere. Love it. That's something I need to invest in. I'm not going to do the Rhino. Yeah. Because people can track you. Like if you were, if you had a Rhino and there's two guys talking on Rhinos, you can see exactly where they are. And not you know a guy that utilizes it. that, that hunts that same area and he yeah. tracks people. And that to me, I don't know kind of shady in my opinion so but i would i think a gps is something that i'm gonna have to invest in yeah it's especially it when you start so dealing with private and public land yep. areas and other than that i don't know what else i'd add good optics I, this is the yeah. first year i packed swarovski and i'm sold yeah I, i'm not saying it has to be swarovski but See, I'm, I'm packing leopolds and they weren't super expensive but they weren't cheap yeah but they are good they're good Good binocular. And they can sure. save you a lot of boot leather. Oh, yeah. You know, Tons. And a lot of time. You can figure yep. out, okay, well, there's no sense in me being here or we need to be over there. Yeah. So anyway, that was just a quick end up and we'll wrap it up there. We've got some giveaways going. We've got a new sponsor that you've seen the glasses and the other stuff they're hunting. They're pretty cool. They're slick, man. I they're, love them. Yeah, they're cool. So we'll be talking about more of those when they're ready to go. But we got some Vortex Optics we're giving away and some other things. So... Anyway, we'll catch everybody next time. Cool. See ya.